We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 535 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, March 24th, 2023. One half of the Elite Eight in the 2023 NCAA tournament now is set, and the Elite Eight includes nine-seeded Florida Atlantic, which defeated four-seeded Tennessee 62-55 at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Late night on Thursday night in the Sweet 16, Florida Atlantic, the Owls of Florida Atlantic, the school that gave us former Redskins running back Alfred Morris. That school is in the Elite Eight. Alfred Morris, one of the most likable Washington athletes of the last decade. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We hope that this show is likable. I can't promise anything, but we can at least try. Uh, coming up on the show, my first ever conversation with longtime Washington, D.C. area sports writer Rick Snyder. And we're going to talk all about the sale of the Commanders. Uh, We on Thursday had more reports. Oh, the reports. They do not stop. Uh, And the reports included a report that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is being allowed to bid on the Commanders. I'm going to take it through what exactly was reported and then have a lengthy chat with Rick Snyder about the sale. Where are we? Who is in the lead? Has an agreement on the sale of the Commanders actually already been reached? You know, Rick, this past Saturday night reported that a sale has been agreed on. Uh, What should we be expecting over the next few days, given that the NFL's annual league meeting is taking place From this Sunday, March 26th, through Wednesday, March 29th, uh, taking place at the Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona. And wait until you hear what Rick has to say about the Mary Jo White investigation. A deep dive on the very latest in the sale of the Commanders. Rick Snyder is coming up on the show. Uh, Before that, next segment, I'll hit on some other Commander's news from Thursday, including the signing of another offensive lineman and the honoring of an all-time skins grade. And I, on the show, will talk Capitals, who on Thursday night demolished the lowly Chicago Blackhawks. 6-1 was the final at Capital One Arena, just the Caps' second regulation win 
in nine games as the Caps got back not one, not two, but three key players, defenseman John Carlson and Trevor Van Riemsdyk and goaltender Darcy Kemper. Carlson returned from a three-month absence caused by getting struck on the side of the head slash face by a slap shot, and he had a big game in his return. Thursday night was a good night for the Caps, who do remain in postseason contention despite their sell-off prior to the March 3rd NHL trade deadline, and the Caps have a big game in the Eastern Conference wildcard standings this weekend at the Pittsburgh Penguins, Saturday night at 8. Before we get to some feedback, some college basketball news from Thursday. Maryland's Hakeem Hart announced that he is entering the 2023 NBA draft while maintaining his collegiate eligibility and is entering the NCAA transfer portal. So he would seem to be gone from Maryland. That is a blow. Uh, Hakeem Hart is a good player. He, for this season, was number two on the Terrapins in points per game, assists per game, and steals per game. But look, we know how college basketball works now. Guys go into the portal all of the time uh, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, also on Thursday was Virginia's seven foot one Argentinian Francisco Cafaro announcing that he's entering the NCAA transfer portal. And it now is official. Kim English has left his job as George Mason head coach to become Providence head coach, replacing Ed Cooley, who has become Georgetown head coach. Uh, Providence made the announcement on Thursday afternoon. This really is something. Kim English ended up being Mason's head coach for just two seasons. Uh, He this season led Mason to its first 20-win season since the 2016-2017 season. And Mason this season set a school record for three-point field goal percentage defense, uh, holding opponents to a mere 30.1% on threes. He is viewed as a young, rising head coach, and he just got himself a big-time job. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jeff Marshall of something that I talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago, the notion of the XFL serving as a minor league for the NFL and NFL teams having XFL affiliates. All right, Jeff, I was pleased to hear your thoughts in episode 512 on the idea of an NFL developmental league. This is something that I've thought about for years and would love to see come to reality. I'm not sure that spring professional football will ever succeed. I do believe, however, that a fall developmental league could be successful if done well and owned by the NFL. The success might likely be best realized in the development of future NFL players in that each team could have a junior slash farm team instead of a practice squad. I would love to see a smaller city like Richmond, Virginia host a commander's farm team. Just think about the options if a team could designate for assignment players who are struggling and call up other players who are killing it in the junior league. Teams would not have to cut half their rosters by the ends of training camps. Think of the jobs that a minor league would create and the many opportunities that the minor league would provide for young, talented athletes. Uh, Thank you for the email, Jeff. Yeah, I'm with you. Although, if you are the NFL and you want to maximize the attention that a minor league would generate, the way to do it would be to have the minor league as a late winter slash early spring football league. In other words, a football league for the NFL offseason. An NFL minor league season going on when an NFL season is going on 
uh, would get lost in the shuffle, especially considering that we during that time also have college football, uh, the MLB pennant races and postseason, and the starts of the NBA and NHL seasons. An NFL minor league season that starts, say, the week after the Super Bowl and runs up until, say, the NFL draft, uh, such a minor league season could get a lot of attention. Now, the concern would be having players play in a late winter slash early spring league and then potentially also playing in the NFL season. But remember, this NFL minor league would only be for like fringe type NFL players and practice squad type NFL players, not for players who are certainties on NFL 53-man rosters. So from a commander's perspective, an XFL as an NFL minor league having its season from, say, mid-February up until the NFL draft would include a commander's affiliate as having guys like, say, Jake Fromm at quarterback and Jarrett Patterson at running back, you know, those kinds of guys. Uh, There would be aspects of this that would be tricky, okay? I haven't ironed out every detail, but I do think that the XFL as an NFL minor league in which each NFL team has an affiliate could work, mainly because you as a fan of your NFL team would have much more reason to pay attention to an XFL team. I mean, as things stand right now, the affinity that people have for the D.C. Defenders has to do with, yes, the team doing well. Uh, it is 5-0. Uh, but also, you know, the beer snakes that happen at Defenders home games at Audi Field. And the beer snakes are great, okay? But, you know, the beer snakes are a big factor. Uh, the chance of F. Dan Snyder <laughs> that we had at Audi Field a few weeks ago, big factor. But imagine if the D.C. Defenders were the XFL affiliate of the Commanders. Think about how much more the Defenders roster and the actual performances of Defenders players might be of interest to you. I know that those things would be of interest to me. Uh, I like a lot about the XFL product, but I would be even more interested in it if there was a team in the XFL uh, with a direct affiliation to my team in the NFL. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. Uh, Email from Francesco of some of our recent conversations about the Commanders franchise potentially changing its name again. Uh, The idea being that new ownership of the team will lead to yet another new name, uh, writes Francesco. Hope you and the fam are healthy and safe. I work in the evenings and don't always get to catch wizards and local hoops, so you are my go-to for updates and info. A 1,000 thanks. Uh, Well, thank you, Francesco. And never forget one of the mantras of this podcast. We follow Washington, D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. It is a simple arrangement. Following sports is hard. Let us do the work for you. Uh, Anyway, continues Francesco, I may have a name compromise. A name is just a name, mere words easily forgotten. What endures is a flag, a sign, an emblem. The new owner should gather local Native American leaders, uh (laughs) uh-oh, and have them choose a name in their language, then reinstall the emblem that was chosen by the 1971 Native American Congress. I like the W, not the one on the helmet, uh, that represents the DMV, but the old emblem not being there is what hurts me. Also, gold pants with burgundy tops and burgundy pants with black tops. White is not one of our colors. Uh, Well, black isn't one of our colors either. But anyway, uh, thank you for the email 
Francesco, yeah, working with Native American leaders and Native American groups for a Native American-themed name. Uh, All of that sounds great, and all of that is a very good idea, but I would be stunned if the Commander's franchise rebranded back to a Native American theme name. I just think that there is so much working against that. But regarding the working with Native American leaders and Native American groups, you know, that makes me think of one of the aspects of the Redskins name controversy that was (laughs) so bad and so clumsy. Uh, Do you happen to remember the Washington Redskins Original Americans Foundation? Uh, This didn't get a ton of attention when this came to the fore, mainly because this uh, came to the fore uh, during a time in which so much was coming to the fore. But Tom Shad of USA Today Sports, in a piece published on July 8, 2020, reported that the Washington Redskins Original Americans Foundation, uh, a nonprofit organization created in March 2014 to, quote, provide meaningful and measurable resources that provide genuine opportunities for tribal communities, end quote, had per an audited financial statement distributed zero dollars in grants or donations to Native American causes during the fiscal year ending February 28, 2019. Let me repeat that, zero dollars. Per Shad, quote, Tax records show the WROAF donated nearly $3.7 million to Native American causes in that first year, but less than half that amount, $1.6 million in year two. The foundation subsequently donated about $650,000 in the 2017 fiscal year, $303,000 in the 2018 fiscal year, and $0 in the 2019 fiscal year, according to to tax records. As a result of that decline, the WROAF has spent more money (laughs) maintaining its own staff than it has directed to Native American causes in each of the two most recent years for which records are publicly available. End quote. Again, this is from a report from Tom Shad of USA Today Sports that was published on July 8th, 2020. Then later that day came a lengthy article by Jenny Brentis and Michael Rosenberg of SI.com. Uh, that piece included this, quote, The story of the original Americans Foundation is a multi-year saga marked by the steep decline in the charity's giving and bitter feelings from Native American leaders and activists frustrated by the team's apparent efforts to ally with and promote tribe members supportive of the name End quote. My point with all of this is this. The Skins seemingly dropped the ball in doing good for Native American communities. And this, to me, was part of an overall approach by the Skins to the name controversy that wasn't smart. The Skins in the name controversy did a bad job of articulating their pro-name stance, which to me was a legitimate stance. The approach from the team seemed to be shout and scream and be defiant, as opposed to presenting a logical, rational, fact-based argument, which was very makeable, and also putting forth a presentation that demonstrated some empathy and understanding for Native Americans. And the team should have done a better job 
of doing good for Native Americans, who maybe slash probably are the most marginalized and ignored and disregarded minority community in this country. Uh, But yeah, Francesco's email reminded me (laughs) of the ill-fated Washington Redskins Original Americans Foundation, the WROAF. The WROAF apparently stopped giving an F uh, about Native Americans. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, before we get to our guest, longtime Washington, D.C. area sports writer Rick Snyder on the sale of the Commanders, a couple of Commanders news items from Thursday. The Commanders on Thursday afternoon announced the signing of an unrestricted free agent offensive lineman, Trent Scott. Now, Trent Scott is not a guy who's some lock to make the team's initial 53-man roster for the 2023 season, but he is a versatile offensive lineman. Uh, the 2023 season would be Scott's age 29 season. He's listed as being 6'5 and 320 pounds. Entered the NFL with the Los Angeles Chargers as an undrafted free agent at a Grambling State in 2018. He, over his five NFL seasons, 2018 through 2022, has played for the Chargers, the Carolina Panthers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, totaling 20 regular season starts and having played left tackle, right tackle, and right guard. Uh, So he has played for the Panthers, uh, although he played for them in 2020 and 2021. Not sure if that counts as being part of the Carolina Mafia because he played for the Panthers after Commander's head coach Rod Rivera's time as Panthers head coach. But Scott does offer one of Ron's favorite things, position flex. Position flex. Yes, position flex. And if you're keeping track, the rebuilding of the commander's offensive line now features three position flex guys uh, in the additions of unrestricted free agents, tackle slash guard Andrew Wiley, center slash guard Nick Gates, and tackle slash guard Trent Scott. All three guys 
Position flex, guys. Position flex. Yes, Ron. Position flex. Uh, meantime, congrats to the greatest head athletic trainer in team history, Lamar Bubba Tire, the great Bubba Tire. Uh, we on Thursday learned that Bubba will receive an award of excellence from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, this for his contributions to the team and the NFL. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame last year began giving out awards of excellence. They essentially are for non-players, non-head coaches, and non-executives. So assistant coaches, athletic trainers, equipment managers, uh, film slash video directors, public relations personnel, etc. Uh, Bubba Tire, he originally joined the Redskins athletic training staff in 1971. He was a member of the first staff of George Allen as Skins head coach. Uh, Bubba Tire, 37 seasons with the team, uh, 25 of those seasons as head athletic trainer. He was with the Skins for all five of their Super Bowl seasons, 1972, 1982, 1983, 1987, and 1991. He actually rejoined the team on a volunteer basis during the 2021 season. Uh, Washington in recent years has had a lot of problems <laughs> with head athletic trainers. When you think about all that has gone on with the likes of Larry Hess and Ryan Vermillion, and then uh, we just a few weeks ago, March 1st, had the NFL Players Association coming out with the NFLPA's first NFL player team report cards. And the commander's many terrible grades included the training staff getting a D and the training room getting an F minus. A lot of negativity with uh, training staff stuff with this team in recent years. So nice to be reminded of better times with this honor for Bubba Tire. Well, a big help is if you subscribe to rate and review this podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast by most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, a subscription to the pod costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, also, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two. Uh, can be more, but doesn't have to be. And thank you for subscribing rating and reviewing the possibility of the next uh, seven days being massive days in the saga that is the sale of the commanders very much exists now it could be that very little happens but it also could be that a whole lot happens we next week have the nfl's long anticipated annual league meeting what often is referred to as the owners' meetings. The annual league meeting will take place from Sunday, March 26th through Wednesday, March 29th at the Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, what or oh, what might NFL owners say and perhaps even do regarding the sale of the commanders, regarding commanders' co-owners and co-CEOs Dan and Tanya Snyder? Uh, it is worth noting that a friend of the Al Galdi podcast, Sports Business Insider Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic, uh, he on Thursday afternoon reported that the sale of the Commanders is not on the official agenda for next week's annual league meeting. But of course, just because something is not on the official agenda doesn't mean that that something won't be coming up, won't be discussed at the annual league meeting. Meantime, could it be, might it be, that finally... <laughs> We know 
that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is a true participant in the bidding on the commanders. Uh, Fox Business Network senior correspondent Charles Gasparino, who is believed to have been getting his intel on the sale of the commanders from Dan Snyder's camp, maybe even Dan himself. Uh, Gasparino on Thursday morning tweeted, quote, people close to commander's owner Dan Snyder say he isn't opposed to Jeff Bezos placing a bid in for team, and they have communicated that to Bezos's people. Fox Business has learned from people with direct knowledge. These people say Snyder's animus to Bezos over coverage issues has been overblown. Bezos has yet to place a bid for the team, and the sale, if it happens, will likely occur after next week's owners' meeting, I am told. Also overblown, these people say, NFL pressure on Snyder to sell. It's his decision for a variety of reasons. End quote. There is a lot to process with the tweeting from Charles Gasparino. Uh, I think what immediately struck me was that last part of Gasparino's reporting, because <laughs> that last part clearly screams that it came from Dan Snyder, or at least Team Danny. Quote, also overblown, these people say, NFL pressure on Snyder to sell. It's his decision for a variety of reasons, end quote. I mean, that right there comes off as classic petty Dan Snyder wanting the world to know that he's selling the commanders by his own choice, not because circumstances have forced him to sell. Hey, whatever, Dan, okay? Whatever you got to tell yourself, whatever you got to tell others, fine. Just sell the team. But yeah, this Jeff Bezos scenario. Is Jeff Bezos a true factor in the bidding? Is Dan Snyder or Team Danny just leaking that Bezos is allowed to participate in the bidding in order to drive up the sale price of the commanders to somebody else? We don't know. There's a lot to be thinking about here. Uh, the four known or perceived contenders to buy the commanders based on the reporting, and admittedly, the reporting in this saga has been all over the place, but the four known or perceived contenders to buy the commanders based on the reporting are Jeff Bezos, Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner Josh Harris, Houston Rockets owner Toman Fertitta, and Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos, whose involvement in the bidding we found out about via multiple reports on Wednesday afternoon. Well, joining us now to assess where the heck we are in the sale of the Commanders is a man who has been all over the sale of the Commanders, Longtime Washington, D.C. area sports writer Rick Snyder. No relation to Dan Snyder, by the way. Uh, Rick has covered Washington, D.C. area sports since 1978. He currently is a columnist for 1067 The Fan and is the editor of Command Post Magazine and is the host of Rick Snyder's Washington on YouTube. Uh, Rick previously has worked for the Washington Times, the Washington Examiner, and Washington Post Express. He also has written a number of books, and he is a licensed Washington, D.C. tour guide. Uh, for more on that, visit MonumentalThoughts.com. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Snide underscore remarks. Rick, we both have been working in the D.C. market for a while. Uh, you a lot longer than me, but uh, this is the first time that we've spoken. It is nice to finally speak with you. How are you? Good. It sounds like I'm really busy, but it's <laughs> 
I'm, you know, I'm getting a little older. I slowed down a little bit. I also teach history online, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's all storytelling. Just like I love walking through Washington, telling stories. I actually think it made me a better writer too, being able to do it. That makes sense. Hey, will you be adding Dan Snyder's mansions in the Washington, D.C. area to your tour stops at any point? Or are the Danny's mansions off limits on Rick Snyder's tours of the Washington, D.C. area? Oh, yeah. I, I'm never saying his name after this. Stricken from the land, man. That's <laughs> what I'm looking forward to. Never saying his name again. But I do go right by Jeff Bezos' house. I walk by it. I don't know if he's getting a team, but... You know, we, people always are amazed that we can walk right up to his door. There's no security or barriers. Wow. And I said, well, the richest man in the world. You can walk right up to it. Wow. Have you ever seen Jeff Bezos when you've been by his house? No, no. I've never, you never see anybody. You know, just his, his house is between Woodrow Wilson and Herbert Hoover's, and which is now an embassy. So you never see anybody on Embassy Row outside, ever, anywhere. All right. So the sale of our commanders. Uh, You this past Saturday night tweeted that a sale has been agreed on. Uh, Did not say with whom because you were not able to confirm with whom. Uh, Is your understanding still that a sale of the commanders has been agreed on? Well, you know, it was interesting. There was a new bidder come out. I won't say his name because I can't say it. But uh, the Greek Greek guy from Canada. how do you say it, Al? Do you know? <laughs> uh, uh, I believe his last name is pronounced Apostolopoulos. Steve Apostolopoulos. That's how I've heard that last name pronounced when spelled exactly as he spells it. But, you know, until we hear the name said by him and how he wants it said, uh, we can't be 100% sure. And I'm never going to get that right spelling or saying it. So I hope we don't get to Steve. Um, you know, you need a simple name like Bezos or something like that. <laughs> Nothing personal, dude, but that's, you got to that change your name, though. Something simple. I don't know. But, you know, he kind of came. I always knew that there was a fourth bidder I couldn't see. And one of the great things you have to be able to do as a newspaper guy is look around corners. So I could feel him around the corner, but I couldn't see him. And finally, this came out. That said, I don't, I don't know. I mean, somebody was saying that Dan Roy likes the guy and I thought that's not an endorsement in my mind but uh, you know he might sell to him if he likes him but I still think Harris Group is in front um, you know when I was writing about it I kind of wrote one of these things about I can see the white smoke but nobody came to the window you know like the Pope's my wife thought nobody would know what that meant uh, but you know what I understand is they, is they came to an understanding but they didn't have a formal deal but he did have a guy to, this is a guy we're going you know, try and work to deal with. That said, things come out of nowhere. You know, the basis thing, he's always got the money. You just never know. And the dude, if he's really interested, has played it very quietly. They all have, really. They're not public figures. Harris is not known to talk about things either. Uh, but I still think Harris's deal is the one that's going to get it in the end. But we'll see. I earlier went through the tweeting of Fox Business Network senior correspondent Charles Gasparino on Thursday morning regarding Jeff Bezos in the bidding on the commanders. It's amazing that after all of this time, we still don't have a clear picture of the extent to which Bezos is involved in the bidding. Now, of course, that may be by design, but what's your sense on how involved Bezos is in the bidding? You know, I don't get any sense that he is. And... I guess he wants to buy a team, but he'll let, you know, like a lot of his other holdings. I mean, the main sense people to have space 
he sent you your toilet paper and your Amazon. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the dude's everywhere. And so football team, at best, he's going to hire people. Hopefully they're any good and, you know, he won't fire them. I mean, Cook was not – Cook lived in the area, but Cook was really not that hands-on at all with football. Um, and Dan really isn't so much except at the worst times. <laughs> he steps in and it causes problems. Otherwise, he's not a daily person on it. I just don't think Bezos is. Now, I, I know that uh, he's dating a woman that is very interested in it. She seems to be the football person there. Uh, could she be involved? I don't know. But I think they'll hire you know, their own business people because you, you pay $6 billion, you want your own financial guys. I think they leave the football people attack for now and maybe give it the year and see what happens. Um, but I don't think Jeff Bezos is really going to have an office that he sits there every day. He's way too busy, even for a little football team. Uh, yeah, Jeff Bezos does have a lot going on for sure. Uh, you and your Thursday morning installment of Rick Snyder's Washington on YouTube provided odds for the various contenders to buy the commanders. Uh, Josh Harris, two to one. Steve Apostolopoulos, three to one. Jeff Bezos, seven to two. Tillman Fertitta, four to one. At this point, is the sale of the commanders all about Josh Harris and then everyone else, or is it not that simple? Yeah, I just get on that. That Fertitta is really not it. Although every time I think that, I I get somebody that tells me something. I try and track it down. I can't quite figure, you know, that it's true or not. So, so I think he's fading out of it. He says I just don't have a sense for how interested he really is in this. Uh, and there are other opportunities. He doesn't have to do this deal. I don't believe this Danny Bardem from the bidding BS, but whatever. And. Uh, I put the new guy second just because he's a new guy, and we'll see what it is. But I really think it's still Harris's uh, one to win and or lose. Much more with Rick Snyder in moments. I'm going to next ask Rick what we should be expecting over the next few days with the start of the NFL's annual league meeting this Sunday. But, you know, Rick has covered Washington, D.C. area sports since 1978. He is an institution in this area, just like the law firm of Paulson and Nace, which was founded in 1979. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. 
Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit PaulsonandNace.com. That's PaulsonandNace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. More now with longtime Washington, D.C. area sports writer Rick Snyder on the sale of the Commanders. So, Rick, as we approach the NFL's annual league meeting this Sunday, March 26th through Wednesday, March 29th, what are you anticipating regarding the sale of the Commanders at the league meeting or maybe even in the days leading up to the meeting? I mean, do you think that we'll get an official announcement of an agreement on the sale of the team? Do you think that we at the meeting might get an actual vote? from the NFL owners on the sale of the team. What do you think that we're in for over the next week? I've always thought for quite a while now that we would get an announcement on the sale right on the eve of the owners' meetings. And it's too, that's too late for the owners to actually do anything that meeting because they have to have the finance committee to meet, they have to vet them out. It's going to take a little while. But I thought we'd have an announcement by Sunday. We still may. You know, Dan likes the courting process. He likes everybody telling him they love him and they want to give him money, you know. And, and I think he stretches it out to the bitter end. If it doesn't happen at these owners' meetings, I don't know, because there was your deadline, you know. And most things don't get done without deadlines. Uh, and then the NFL could either wave a hammer at him and say, how far along are you in this bidding process? Are you on the verge and just need a little few more days? Or are you screwing around and we got to start reading the Mary Jo White report out loud? That's what it kind of, I'm sure it's coming down to that. So it could be a tense few days to see if Dan goes into the night gently or is he going to be a jerk before they kick him into the darkness. Okay, so you do believe that the NFL has the findings of the Mary Jo White investigation and is holding onto those findings as like a trump card. Should Dan Snyder decide not to sell the commanders? Absolutely. I mean, the NFL, listen, the NFL plays bare knuckle games too. And, you know, it's, they are a bunch of collective billionaires that want, they're all about money. None of this, from the NFL perspective, is about the stuff with women and how they were treated. But what it did is, I always tell people, don't, let the, don't do something to let the government look at you, because you never know how far they'll go. And that's exactly what, what happened here. They looked at the women thing, and, and while they were, obviously didn't like it, it led to the next investigations, which are financial. And that's where things get really serious. And the NFL owners do not like people looking at all their money either. So that's why, you know, he made a bad move allowing the investigators in the door with the, with the women's angle. And he should be punished for that. I mean, he was a bad person. But, but that's not what the NFL's about. Now it's about the money and about the stadium. Because now that the women, the women's issue, and I don't mean to downgrade that so people will yell at it, but it led to the stadiums being pulled back. And that's what really got the NFL upset was, wait a minute, we are not making money out of you at all. Now you can't get a stadium. Now we're really upset. So they know there's a lot more money out of D.C. that gets shared with the league. If getting rid of Dan Snyder as owner of the Commanders came down to the NFL owners having to vote him out, do you think that they would do that? (sighs) That's a great question. I think if they really came down to it, they would. But they will try and do everything they can to avoid that first. 
because they know that that's a nuclear litigation thing that'll go on for years. So there's, you know, there's really good options for Dan to, to move on. They're trying to make them see that and quit being a jerk. And, and that's their real move. But it had to come to it. Now it would take a while. I think it would take, they wouldn't do it right away. But you release that Mary J. White report from what I've heard about it. It's pretty serious. Um, then the NFL hates that kind of thing, too, because now we're going to start looking elsewhere, guaranteed. They're all thinking, now that they nailed him, who else is coming for them? That's what scares them. It, it would be a while. It won't be an instant thing this week he's out. Interesting what you just said about the Mary Jo White investigation, that it has led to damaging findings for Dan Snyder, because a theory has been that the reason that we have yet to hear about the findings is that they aren't damaging to Dan, but you've heard that they are? Oh, yeah. I've heard a lot of the, the bookkeeping uh, information and the loans and all of these kind of things. And there are, there are DAs out there talking about investigating like they always do. I mean, you know, district attorneys, all to get in the media. Uh, so it's not something I'd want on my doorstep. I'll tell you that. I mean, I don't think Dan's going to jail or anything because usually rich people don't go to jail. They just pay fines. But yeah, some of Trump's buddies went to jail. So I don't know. Maybe they do. Uh, I would not want that kind of thing hanging over me. And it, it's expensive, too. You know, if you're going to fight these kind of wars, you know how much money that's going to be? Yeah. And I'm not sure Dan has that kind of cash. Is your understanding that the Mary Jo White investigation is done or that it's still going on? I understand it's pretty much done. Now, is it all typed up and sitting on someone's desk? I don't know that. But I, she's, she's done all the investigating, and I think everybody kind of knows what's coming in there. And I think they've kind of more or less said, before you hit the send button, let's, let's just see what we can work out here. <laughs> I, I love it, man. The backroom politicking in all of this is fascinating. So with the Mary Jo White findings that are damaging to Dan Snyder, those findings have to do with the financial scandal and not the allegations from former team employee Tiffany Johnston. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. Although I hear that they had some things from the congressional hearings that didn't come out that she has access to that information. But, I, you know, he settled with a lot of those. And I, I don't know what they're, you know, there's a lawsuit, but it hasn't seemed to have done anything. Everybody's kind of waiting. But then again, Snyder, you know, is looking for the league to identify everything and keep him out of the courtroom. So obviously he's worried about that. I mean, it's so complicated now. It's just, it's just, it's coming at them from every, it's like the Five, Ar five Armies movies at the end of The Lord of the Rings. Everyone's coming at you, man. Can you survive? And hopefully Dan Snyder ends up not surviving as commander's owner. Going back to the bidding on the team, Josh Harris certainly appears to be the favorite to win the bidding. He has ownership stakes in a number of pro sports teams, but it's funny, we don't know a ton about him as a sports owner. What do you think? Would he be a good owner of the commanders? Well, from what I've been told by people who actually know him, he's, he's a quiet backroom kind of guy. He's not going to be out there going walk walk on and telling jokes and rallying the troops. He's a backroom dude, and uh, and that's fine. You know, Dan Snyder is the same way. You know, Dan's a very big, I think, introvert who whoever compensates, but that's my psych sociology degree talking. Um, that's, I knew taking sociology classes would help me. <laughs> it took forty years, but that was a minor I took and. At Maryland, that was my minor sociology because um, I thought it'd be an easy class. And I was pretty much right, but, but it did have some interesting things. Anyway, I used to sit in the back with Taylor Baldwin if you remember him from Maryland. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, Taylor was like 
seven foot tall guy who never played because he stopped. But uh, he and I would sit in the back of the class and shut up. Um, but it was Harris is, yeah, he's all business. He's a business guy. So I don't typically love the fact that Commander's owner could own the 76ers and Devils. So remember when, when the Caps played the Vegas Knights and Bryce Harper shows up in a <laughs> Vegas jersey? And yeah. Like, well, what, this dude owns the other team. Suppose the Caps are playing the Devils in the playoffs or something. It just feels weird, you know, on that level. So, you know, I, and the Wizards, well, whatever. You know, but yeah, you got two rivals from this town. And, and he'd own them. I, I just find that fascinating how weird that would be. I think it would tick fans off. But I think he's going to be so quiet that nobody's going to really know much about him. Do you think that the next owner of the Commanders should change the name, should ignite another rebrand? From an analytics point, I would love it because everybody will watch my show every day and we'll talk about all the names again. I mean, it's exhausting. But I, I don't think the NFL would encourage that. Because we just went through, what, a year and a half process. Everybody hates it. But yet there isn't another name that everyone would say, no, no, it's got to be the Red Wolves. No, no, it's got to be the Hawks. It'll still be a civil war just with a different name. And you can't go back to Redskins, which is what everybody would really like. But, uh, you know, that's not happening. So I I hate to see it happen. I mean, Major Tutty just got here. (laughs) (laughs) Now put up a poll. What do we do with Major Tutty? That's, Keep them or make pork sandwiches. And three-fourths of the people voted for pork sandwiches. That's not surprising. That's not surprising one bit. Uh, last one for you. As the days of Dan Snyder as owner of the team, now called the Commanders, uh, very much appear to be winding down. I'm just curious because you're good with big picture stuff. When did you, during Dan's ownership of the team, realize that uh, we had a problem? Like, what was the moment or occurrence or episode that signaled to you that, yeah, the team was in trouble in having Dan Snyder as owner? Uh, maybe we fired Charlie, which was like a month after, you know, he took over. I mean, right from the start, first time I met Dan Snyder, he shook my hand and looked right past me. I mean, that kind of guy. <laughs> and, you know, he thought, well, that was rude, but whatever, you know. And, and he, I mean, I used to have his cell phone number in the earliest days, but he got mad at my paper. I worked at the Times then. So I haven't tried the number in a while. But and he was trying to spend money like crazy. And yet he would do things uh, socially were so awkward, too. Like, I was at the Super Bowl, I think it was 99, at Marco Coleman's restaurant in Atlanta. He never had played for the Redskins. And was, uh, several writers and I were there. And Dan was there with Vinny and somebody else. And when, when they're done eating, they come over to our table and just start harassing us and yelling stuff and making real fools of themselves. Thought, what an idiot, you know. I mean, we're just sitting here eating dinner, covering not your team, and uh, but he had to be that kind of way, you know. I mean, it's just how he was. And I heard a lot of stories early on, like the Bethard story that was early, where they they were talking to Bobby Bethard about coming back as GM. Then they they told Bobby, okay, you got an hour. And then every ten minutes, a lawyer called Bobby to say, yeah, fifty minutes left, forty, thirty. When I got to thirty, Bobby said, thank you. That was the end of that. That kind of thing just showed you the kind of person he was. It's amazing. There are like countless stories along the lines of the ones that you just told. Incredible. Uh, All right. Our maiden voyage with longtime Washington, D.C. area sports writer, Rick Snyder. Rick, thanks a lot and have a nice weekend. Thanks for having me on now.
It was on Tuesday night that the Capitals suffered an overtime loss at home to the worst team in the NHL, the Columbus Blue Jackets. A 7-6 overtime loss in a game in which the Caps choked. Uh, they blew a 3-0 first period lead and a 5-3 third period lead. Thursday night, the Caps again had a home game against a really bad team. Uh, this time, the Chicago Blackhawks, who are the second worst team in the Western Conference. But this time, the Caps took care of business. Uh, the Caps improved to 34-31-8 with a 6-1 ripping of the Blackhawks at Capital Win Arena on Thursday night. The Caps now have 76 points, four points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins for the Eastern Conference's second and final wildcard spot. And guess who is next for the Caps? Uh, yes, the Pens. Uh, the Caps are at the Pens Saturday night at 8 in a big game for the Caps, who now have just nine regular season games left. An undeniable theme for the Caps this season, of course, has been them having been ravaged by injury. Well, the Caps on Thursday night got back two key players from injury, defenseman John Carlson and goaltender Darcy Kemper. Uh, Thursday was March 23rd. It was on December 23rd that John Carlson got struck on the side of the head slash face by a slap shot by Winnipeg Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon. Uh, this in a 4-1 Caps win over the Jets at Capital One Arena. Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic in a piece that came out last Friday evening, March 17th, revealed that Carlson had suffered a fractured skull and a severed temporal artery. Yeah. Well, here we were on Thursday night, three months to the day of Carlson getting injured. He was back, and he was impactful. John Carlson on Thursday night had a third-period power play goal, a second-period secondary assist, and a game-high nine total shot attempts, and he was tied for number three on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 65.22. The Caps, with Carlson on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game, had 15 shot attempts versus allowing eight shot attempts. Now, Carlson did commit a second period tripping minor and did commit a game worse for giveaways, but still, it was awesome to see John Carlson do as he did in his first game back of such a lengthy absence of such a frightening occurrence. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on John Carlson. I, I don't think he looked tired. Like I said, I think he's worked extremely hard to get to this point. Him and strength coaches did a great job of putting him in a position where he could be successful. And um, he could just tell he was ready. I mean, the last two or three weeks in practice, he was you know, arguably our best practice player. We just couldn't play him until we made sure that everything was good and the boxes were checked and healthy and he got a clean bill of health. And so he entered into a game, I think, in really good shape. And um, from there, he had a big impact in the game. Yes, he did. And how about this? John Carlson on Thursday night played for 20 minutes, one second, the second most playing time for any Caps player in the game. I mean, so much for being rusty, so much for being out of shape. Uh, and then with Darcy Kemper, uh, he on Thursday night was the Caps starting goaltender of having been unavailable for the Caps previous two games due to an upper body injury that he suffered in practice this past Saturday, and Kemper on Thursday night was good. He stopped 27 of the 28 shots on goal that he faced. Additionally, the Caps on Thursday night got back defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, he returned 
from a one-game absence caused by the birth of a child. Congratulations to the Van Riemsdyks. Uh, so Thursday night was very much a feel-good night for the Caps. Uh, winger Alex Ovechkin had a big game. Ovi had a third-period even-strand goal and a first-period primary assist, and he finished number two on the Caps in five-on-five. Shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 65.38. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 17 shot attempts versus allowing nine shot attempts. Uh, He did commit two minor penalties, a first period interference minor and a third period cross-checking minor. But Alex Ovechkin now over his last nine games has eight goals and six assists. Uh, Center Nicholas Backstrom, he on Thursday night had a second period power play goal and a third period primary assist. So we on Thursday night had three longtime cap stars, Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, and John Carlson all doing well. Uh, Center Dylan Strom continued to do well, two assists, giving him a regular season career high, 38 assists. And Strom finished number one on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 78.95. The Caps with Strom on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 15 shot attempts versus allowing four shot attempts. Uh, The Caps had a really good game on special teams, two of four on the power play. No coincidence, by the way, that the Caps go two of four on the power play in the first game back uh, for their power play quarterback, John Carlson, and the Caps on Thursday night, a perfect five of five on the penalty kill. More from Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Thursday night. I thought the special teams were really good. Obviously, the power play was good. Penalty kill was really good. There was uh, some back-to-back-to-back kills there early on in the game where the penalty kill had to step up and do a job, so I thought that they were good. It's nice to have Kemp's healthy and, and back. Nice to have Carly healthy and back. TVR back in the lineup, so that's a, kind of the first glance at our decor. You know, that's... Uh, we just haven't had it. We've been missing, you know, one, two, three, four guys out of the lineup with it. And so to get those guys back and put everybody back in the the right seats on the bus, I think was really important. And it shows in the game. It shows on power play. It shows on the specialty teams, penalty kill. It shows on five-on-five play. And um, it was it was nice to have that on the bench and be able to roll that out there. Yeah, lots of good stuff for the Caps on Thursday night, albeit in a game against a really bad team in the Blackhawks. But uh, next up is perhaps the Caps' biggest game of the season. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 536. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders. Keep in mind the NFL's annual league meeting, which is taking place in Phoenix, Arizona, is beginning on Sunday. And so who (laughs) the heck knows what might emerge this weekend regarding the sale of the commanders. Also on Monday's show, the rest of your Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. The Capitals have one game this weekend, but the game is a big game in the Eastern Conference wildcard standings. As we just talked about, the Caps are at the Pittsburgh Penguins Saturday night at 8. The Wizards have two games this weekend, home to the San Antonio Spurs, who are the second worst team in the Western Conference Friday night at 7, and at the Toronto Raptors Sunday evening at 6 in a big game in the Eastern Conference play-in tournament standings. Who's fired up for that? Uh, The Wizard, three games behind the Raptors for ninth in the East. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Position flexed.